This podcast is a project of the Massachusetts Cultural Council, a state agency committed to building creative communities and inspiring creative minds. That ability we have to uh, reach across uh, often barriers, I think, allows us to bring our richer dialogue forward, um, to invite different kinds of opinion into the, into the circle, uh, and to reach many more people. Hello, I'm Anita Walker, Executive Director of the Massachusetts Cultural Council, and welcome to Creative Minds Out Loud. Our guest today is Marita Rivero. She is the Executive Director of the Museum of African American History. Welcome to our program. Oh, thank you. You have taken on a powerful and iconic organization here in Massachusetts. Well, you've been there a yearish? A year, a year and two months, and you know, three weeks, that kind of thing. <laughs> but who's counting, right? But, count. <laughs> uh, but you've taken the reins of an organization that has so much meaning and such an important story to tell um, in our state and in our co country, quite frankly. Talk a little bit about um, where this institution is going now. Well, this is a 50-year-old institution, which is amazing to us. But 50 years ago, a public ci private citizen discovered that an old building on Beacon Hill was actually the African Meeting House, so-called then built in 1806 in the middle of a thriving African-American community that lived on the north slope of Beacon Hill. Uh, and that that community was part of that last wave of abolition that ended slavery. And she thought, my goodness, we can't let this building fall into disrepair. So to move forward to today, yes, a, a 501c3 exists. We own that building now. We have restored the building. Um, we own, uh, we operate the building right next door, the first public school, one of the first public schools for blacks in Boston, the Abel Smith School, and we've extended to Nantucket. <laughs> we all talk about the black whaling captain, which is his parents' home, built in 1774, say, and another African meeting house. So these, uh, this organization really represents a history of really, really dramatic activism. Uh, and we like to remember that because we're always speaking to the 21st century. That's the whole point, uh, to learn from history and move forward. So that's what I think we're, we're championing. There is no building like any, there are no buildings like this in the country. They've simply fallen apart, um, torn down. So Boston has a, a unique piece of American history. Uh, and our job is to really learn from it, to export the messages and the information about it as broadly as possible and to encourage people to think about how they apply any of this to what we're talking about now. So when you see so many school groups and young children walk mm -hmm. through the, the doors and the threshold into this amazing institution, um, what are you seeing today? What are the questions? What are mm -hmm. the, uh, what's the knowledge base of the fifth grader who comes to the African American? The knowledge base. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember, I don't know what your school was like, but we, we've fled slavery in my history classes. We just didn't talk about slavery. I think Civil War slavery, I think maybe we had a paragraph. We moved very quickly past that, very quickly past anything else, Reconstruction. Next thing I knew, we were talking about League of Nations, maybe, Woodrow Wilson or you know, Franklin Roosevelt. So uh, the base knowledge here actually doesn't exist. People don't want to talk about slavery. They don't want to think about it. Um, some people have said they were afraid to come in the door of the museum because they, they didn't know what they'd see. It was going to be about slavery. And we say, no, it's really about uh, American democracy. It's, it's the moment in which a group of people came together 
changed a bad law and ushered in modern American democracy. And we talk about that. We talk about the civics lesson. We talk about um, uh, empowerment, civic empowerment. So children who come through and come through our programs, leave people say, what did you do to them? We say, well, they're feeling, they find a place in the, in the story, whether they're black children or white children or brown children, yellow children, uh, et cetera. Um, we find a place as young people who are introduced to a group of people who worked across race, they worked across class, and they changed a bad law. They ended slavery. And the question to them is, really, how do you see yourself in America? And how do you want to take up issues uh, of your time? So they leave feeling empowered. Um, I think along the way, yes, <laughs> we try to pick them up wherever they are, children or adults. Uh, and enlarge knowledge because we have great stories. We can make movies out of these stories. They're fun stories. They're dramatic stories. Um, they What's teach your favorite story? What's the story that people I just... Like, I like <laughs> Lewis Hayden myself. Oh, tell the story. <laughs> Lewis Hayden's house is still on our Black Heritage Trail, which you can take, by the way. And um, he was a businessman. He, he created, had a small store and had to kind of work his way up. He was a very powerful leader and therefore was very involved in making sure that people who were still enslaved in the South who came North could find jobs and housing and so forth. Well, the United States decided to really bear down on the Fugitive Slave Law, which meant that you could cross the Mason-Dixon line, you could come into a free state like Massachusetts, you could find Marita Rivero and say, wait, Marita belongs to me, and therefore I'm taking her back to wherever. Uh, and that fugitive slave law got a lot of power all of a sudden. It's like, kind of like immigration in a way. <laughs> we're, we're taking you back. Uh, and so they approached Lewis Hayden's home. They'd understood that two people were hiding in his home, and uh, they were coming to get them. So Lewis Hayden appeared on the, this is at twilight, headed into dark, appeared on his front stoop with a torch and announced to the crowd gathering that he had wired dynamite under his stairs and under his house. You know, and they were either going to go up together or they were going to go away alone. That's, that's what he said. In essence, that's what he said. And they left. And they left. So I love that story. Um, and I, I like the fact that we can tell a little more about it. The people hiding in his house were a couple, Ellen Craft and her husband, two black people, who came north because she, she dressed as a man. They saved clothes, they built costumes, they put together, they bought themselves. He, her husband was used to buying tickets, train tickets, for their owner. So he went and bought train tickets for them. And she appeared as a young man. She put her hand in a sling so she wouldn't have to sign anything. He came along as her manservant. They bought the train tickets, got on the train, and took the train north to Boston as, you know, a young man traveling with his manservant. So when they reached Boston, they were hidden in Lewis Hayden's house till they could find a place to, eventually they had to move past here and move north. So that's one of those stories that has layers and layers, and I could tell you other layers, but um, you, you, this is the point. It's, these are real people in a real community and uh, living as we live now with comments to make about what we're thinking about, what we're doing. And I think that's part of our role. We're, we're um, 
We're in the education business. So how do you think about um, really engaging the community broadly? The school field trips, um, thank goodness a new generation of young people are hopefully going to be a little more knowledgeable than uh, people who grew up uh, when I did back in the 50s and had maybe one sentence in the history book uh, to build their worldview on. Uh, but how are you thinking about uh, new and innovative ways to bring the rest of the community on board? Well, one, one area we all have is technology. Um, so we were part of that Google Cultural Institute. They asked us to identify 150 objects and put them online, uh, which we did, and, and evidently it was successful enough for them to come back and say, can't you give us some more? It, they're not much on giving you any, any actual metrics or you know, analysis um, that you can work from, unfortunately. But uh, it's really whetted our appetite to do far more than we've been doing. Uh, online in ways that help us build curriculum points that anybody can use. So we have a cohort of teachers who've been working with us for a little over a year to really test ideas, play back against curriculum, etc. And our goal is to use the that process of putting some of our items, we have maybe 2,500 items, they're not all buildings, uh, online, but tell the stories around them in ways that teachers can use as modules in their own classrooms. Um, so that's one way. We're thinking about technology as, a, as an important point. A second thing really has to do with um, having a little fun. You know, we're thinking about just some big events we, we can do. It could be, uh, we're doing thinking about Nantucket this summer, or Martha's Vineyard, but we also think our own courtyard on Beacon Hill, the space between our two buildings, is a courtyard. And so last summer we bought some trees and lights and you know it's wired uh, so this summer we're going to do more to bring artists to that space performance artists uh, we've got a couple you know lined up and we're going to build around them and do some work with maybe some community um, activists or community leaders who might lead some small panels these are small things we can do that invite the community to come in on a regular basis rather than thinking of it as my one tour, uh, but provide a way for us to be in constant uh, contact mm -hmm. uh, with particularly people with young families. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. To come uh, and come back. To yeah. come and come back. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and finally, I'd just say, you know, we're looking for strategic partnerships. What are some partnerships we can imagine that could go deeply and long-term uh, uh, and provide us a a kind of rhythm that can proceed over years. <laughs> and I think there are different kinds of partnerships that do that. We've worked successfully with universities. So the question is, how do we kind of bear down on the partnerships we've had in, in that sort of way? Um, I'm very interested in what other people are doing within this. And let's say Madison Park uh, Development Corporation has been a real partner to the arts in the Dudley, Dudley area. Um, are there other development corporations, are there kind of business ventures like that interested in urban planning uh, who could form partnerships with us and other arts organizations to begin to think integrally, how we integrally uh, develop parts of the city uh, in ways that build what we do right in, educational opportunities and connections with arts and artists, right into the work uh, as we redevelop. There must be how many cranes are there in Boston right now? Can we, can we think about uh, those kinds of uh, strategic 
partnerships that that um and and uh, and the third thing is I'm open to any kind of partner you know I mean so I'm also thinking about people outside Boston mm -hmm. the, we have a whole string of historic places New Bedford uh, Portland Maine from Portland Maine New Hampshire Peterborough we have all kinds of uh, ways of connecting but we just don't do it even on the Underground Railroad there are the so many sites that parts and parcel of the story that you're telling. You know, one thing that mm -hmm. occurs to me as you're talking is um, um, a big part of the story of that meeting house was advocacy and political engagement. And we're in a moment now in our history where people who have maybe not seen themselves as um, uh, advocates or having anything to advocate about are now kind of waking up to things that are happening around them. Is there sort of a role uh, as a model, as an exemplar of what mm. it can mean and how it can make a difference that you can do? I really, um, I really think that's so important for all of us. You know, certainly our younger people are very much involved in the issues of the day. Uh, and as our audience, we all know you, you change all the time because your environment changes, your audiences are changing all the time and you're changing all the time. And we're seeing more and more younger people who are interested in being engaged with the issues of the day. Uh, at a recent retreat, board retreat, we were talking about where we are. We're conveners, we're educators, we inspire. Uh, and our board chair said, and don't forget, we've always been a social justice organization. We come out of a group that eliminated slavery. The, the struggles around that were so profound that they echo legally and in other ways throughout every other human rights movement that's come along since then. Um, and we need to capture that and make sure people are thinking about history in that way that we didn't just start yesterday. So what do we have to learn? What, what advice, what uh, reflections, what juxtapositions might occur to us? So yes, I, I really feel that all of us um, are interested in thinking about social issues Certainly in the arts, you know, we see black artists, uh, Carrie James Marshall, we see who are using history uh, in their work. Uh, many artists, I was at the, you know, Open Studios, the Roxbury Open Studios, and the African American artists, AAM, I always get the name wrong, came out of Simmons in Northeastern. You look at those artists, they're talking about what's happening right now, and they're talking about what happened in history. So I think you see in many young people an interest I mean, in the artistic community in making connections. And we didn't just uh, kind of crack the egg yesterday and jump out and you know, <laughs> we have no connection to anything else. In fact, we're part of a, a real uh, cultural continuum. And the more we explore that and open that up, really the more, the richer our experience and the, the more power we have, I think, in many, in many areas. Um, and finally, I don't think any of us imagine ourselves in some kind of little bubble, you know, the arts and humanities bubble, <laughs> sitting, sitting over on a shelf somewhere. I don't, I, I, I think very few uh, can't imagine anybody's thinking about themselves that way. Uh, we are all, and I think we're all deeply engaged in uh, our time and <laughs> enlarging our audiences and reaching across barriers and reflecting back at people, you know, who we are and what we do and that um, that ability we have to uh, reach across uh, often barriers, I think, allows us to bring kind of a richer dialogue forward, um, to invite different kinds of opinion into the into the circle, uh, and to reach many more people who then can 
can think a little differently, perhaps, about where we are. Uh, in the interest of getting to a place, I think we all want to get to a place of some kind of stasis that um, values equality and uh, a rich life for everybody and the kinds of educational and economic parity that, that make for a kind of happy society. Our artists and our historians uh, are so good at, they reflect but they challenge and that's good for all of I us. I love that. Yeah, they challenge us. Um, I mean, I was looking at, I think I went to the Boston Public Library uh, on a fri several Fridays. They had two uh, spoken word artists and a small band working on Shakespeare. So you had kind of sh rap, sort of rap, um, Hamilton-ish <laughs> approach to Shakespeare for an hour that nonetheless tied him right into what was happening yesterday and what could happen tomorrow. Reggie Gibson uh, led that group oh, in. It was just really wonderful. It was wonderful. It's really great. So when you talk about challenge, the challenge can come to us many different ways, uh, including having someone in a hat with a feather in it <laughs> at, the, at a library, you know, well, you talking to you. <laughs> a trip to the uh, Museum of African American History will challenge and reflect our past I and so. engage, I think, people of all ages. Marita Rivero, Executive Director of the Museum of African American History, another one of our creative minds out loud. Oh, thank you so much. It was a pleasure. To learn more about this episode and to subscribe, visit creativemindsoutloud.org.